0: You're listening to the Volleyball by Design podcast. Today, we have a special guest on the pod, national team libero Kat Georgiadis, and she's here, and we're going to break down everything that is needed at the libero position from passing, digging, communication, defensive presence, uh, you name it, we're going to talk about it and she breaks down the skill in a way that you could take back to your team and help your players pass and play the libero position or really any other position that requires the skills that a libero does, such as passing, digging, and things like that. So it's an episode you definitely don't want to miss. Stay tuned. The volleyball by design podcast. What's up ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode one hundred and fourteen of the volleyball by design podcast. How is everyone doing out there today? Another week of volleyball. As many of you know, I just wrapped up a two day coaching clinic, which was amazing. And I'm so excited to take some of the stuff that we learned from the coaches and the clinic uh, back to our gym. Um, And you guys know that once I I do a coach's clinic, there's always going to be something in the future. And I got another day coming up, uh, August 28th, uh, 29th, and potentially 30th. We're going to have a two-day, well, not a two-day. It's going to be a single day, but there's three different times that you can come. Uh, It's a coaching workshop that's going to be on Offense. So, we're going to break down offense. And if you're listening to this before August 30th of 2022, definitely get signed up. That's volleyballworkshop.com. So, get signed up there. And it's going to be a completely free workshop for coaches just so you guys get ready for the season and you equip yourself with all the offensive tools. All right. Um, If you are a new listener, welcome to the pod. My name is Coach Brian Singh, and I'm the host of the podcast. And if you are a regular listener, as always, Thank you so much for tuning in. You know how much I appreciate you guys. And uh, I got a great one for you today. Now, you guys know that every episode, we try to drop something tangible, some kind of value with you, at at least multiple things that you can take back to your gym and apply right away. Well, I'm super excited because we have today one of the I I, I like to consider as a special libero, a special player. I've known this player uh, since she was a kid coming on, when I used to coach back at club, I would coach the older boys' teams. And she was this young little girl in the gym with these big glasses on. And she just wanted to get touches and she just wanted to get, you know, more reps, learn. And she had like, she was a sponge for the game. And uh, I'm actually a little bit embarrassed in a way by we're 114 episodes in. And I've only had one female guest on this podcast. And I've never had a female player on this podcast so this is the very first female athlete that we've had on the podcast and this is the perfect person for it because i i know her story i know the kind of person she is and uh she is gonna drop amazing amazing things on this podcast so without further ado college and national team level libero cap cat what's going on
1: Nothing. hi That's awesome perfect timing. Sorry about that. I'm um, doing well. How
0: are you? I'm all right. You know what? I never asked you. How do you say your last name? Georgiadis. Georgiadis, And, and okay, do your first name and last name. I don't want to mess it up.
1: Katerina Georgiadis.
0: Okay. So it is Katerina. Okay. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I've called you Kat <laughs> my entire life that I had, I had no clue that Kat was short for Katerina.
1: Yes, but preference crazy. is Kat. I don't think a lot of people know my full name and that's okay with me.
0: (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, listen, I I can't believe, you know what? Actually, I don't want to tell your story. You tell the viewers, you know, like how, where did you come from? How did you make your way up to being a national team level libero?
1: Um, good question. Um, I remember just being young and loving the sport and coming into, uh, Titans gyms and just wanting to learn more and, continue to grow and I always had a dream of making the national team I just never really knew what that looked like um, and going into NCAA too I thought that that would help me get there um, so that was kind of like a mini game plan I made when I was younger um, it's kind of just coming to fruition but like through hard work and sticking to my goals and staying true to that it's helped me get to where I am today so Okay, nice.
0: Yeah, I remember, man. I'll, I'll never forget when you were in club. You had these huge glasses. And you reminded me of this cartoon character. And I can't remember who she is. <laughs> it may come to me as the interview goes along. But it was the greatest thing. But what I remember about you, and you still are the, the same player today is you were fearless. Like you were, <laughs> I want to say 11 years old. I don't remember 10 or 11 years old. And I was working with 16 new boys. On another gym and you walked over and you were like you know can i ju- can i jump in <laughs> i was like okay sure let's do it and these guys were, were serving tough and you were like just eating it you were right there you weren't afraid i think a ball hit you in the shoulder you bounced back up and i was like this kid i knew i knew from then and i didn't really know you that well i knew from then that you were gonna be something special and look at that we're talking national team libero kid from scarborough that's dope okay so let's um Let's get into it. So our coaches, I mean, passing is one of the topics that every coach wants to dive deeper into. Every coach wants to have the best serving and passing team. So let's do that. Let's dive into passing. Let's talk technical. I love talking technical. So from the ground up, how would you go about teaching passing or rather, you know, what do you look for when it comes to executing that perfect technically sound pass? Go ahead.
1: For me, it needs to be like a comfortable stance, one that's like easy to move, obviously. Um, I feel like everyone says like athletic stance is what I think about. Um, And a lot of passing that I'm learning as I get older is a lot of eye work. When I was younger, I thought it was like all platform, which it is, but if you can't pick up the serve quick enough, your body can't, can't respond in the right ways. So putting yourself in a comfortable position um to read the play and be quick is the biggest thing um and now I'm just learning more now but I knew when I was younger too but the ball knows platforms and angles so now it's just how can we manipulate that and your feet will follow um so being in a comfortable position stance whatever that may be for you um reading quickly with your eyes having your arms Uh, follow sorry And eventually your feet will come, usually in like a shuffle stance, you want your whole body moving together, but never taking away the space between your platform and your body. That's been another big key Um, as I grow and develop that's big is keeping that space so it can allow you to absorb or just create those angles outside your body. Um, And that's always been something I've struggled with too, is keeping that space um, but I've seen more success if I really focus in on that and dial in. So yeah, I'd say it's stance, eyes, platform, and then your feet will follow. Okay,
0: nice. Yeah, it's funny. I'm, I'm very lucky that I got the opportunity to, to work with high level athletes like yourself that we realized that early. So my daughter, like Vanessa, as many of you may see my Instagram, we work on, I work every single practice. Like she is, and here's something I, I'm, I'm kind of, This is a side note here, but training younger athletes, use a net, use a net and have something thrown from one side of the net to the other. I don't care if you catch it. I don't care if you hit someone with it. It doesn't matter because that's going to train your depth perception. And to your point, the eye work is like when you get that down, your ability to read I mean, if you start them at a young age, your ability to read is going to skyrocket when it matters at the older age group, and you'll be able to pick up things so much easier. So I'm happy you said that because it's something that I don't really talk about on the pod, but I work, yeah, like training that depth perception. So coaches that are working with young kids, that depth perception is huge, huge, huge. Okay, let's talk platform and angle here a little bit. Is there anything um, specific that you do, in particularly to help you create that better platform, that better angle? You know. I give you an example one of the things that i try to get my athletes to do is try to bring their elbows as close together as possible because i know that's going to create a flatter surface that sweet spot will become a little more consistent you know things like that i have a couple other ones but i want you to hear like what are are some things that you try to put emphasis on especially beginning of the season when you're doing a lot of reps no that's when you start thinking about technique so what do you do
1: yeah so their national team they really want us to be like calm and composed so it's kind of just like resting our arms, but I found like through um, SCU, like my uh, my college team, we have we're allowed to have them out in a- in front of us. Um, so I've kind of just kind of mixed the two where I have them out in front, but resting so they're kind of flat and straight, um, which allows in my, in my opinion, to create a flat angle quicker than it being bent, but it's still in front. It has enough space between your body and platform. But I also, this is kind of not related to a platform, but it helps me reset is like a split hop, um, before. And it kind of just reminds me to initiate my platform first. So like I'll split hop, and then I'm like, okay, platform now. And then my feet will follow because it's already engaged through the split hop
0: nice the split step the split hop yeah that's that's a big thing that uh dustin talks about this quite a lot on on his stuff and me and him get into a great conversation about the split step um so let's talk about it what do you so how do you train the split step um you know was that an instinct thing or do you have to do you have to train it because i know you weren't doing it when you're in club and then when you do the split step like when do you do it talk timing so talk how to train it and then timing
1: okay awesome question so um my college team, we kind of in the spring, my coach had thought about, Wait, let's try this to activate us because we had tried syncing before and then playing Then she's like, what if we do split hop? So we started to initiate that and we just worked through all spring kind of playing out how it feels for everyone, which is one thing that I love about my college team is that it's kind of like what works for you. We're going to give you a foundation, but we want to work with you to make you the most successful. So. We knew that it was going to be after we knew where the ball was going. But as you get, as you go through the game, you're going to get more comfortable with maybe reading earlier. But usually it'll be right after you know where the ball's going. So your body can go towards that and it activate you in that way. Um, but yeah, I would say it ha- I started learning more in the spring about split hop. And then um, wait till you know is usually my, my answer for that.
0: What do you mean by wait till you know?
1: Um, Split hop when you know the ball, like the direction of the ball. Does that make sense?
0: Okay, so in terms of the split step, is there how do you train it? Like you know, for coaches out there who uh, who who are listening to this and say, "Yeah, I want to try that." You know, how do how do you train it with your athletes?
1: Good question. So at least what we've been doing, it's basically. Um, we just threw a lot of reps, you start to get more comfortable with it. And for me as an athlete, I really needed to be on that and engaged before everything else. And I had to focus more on the execution of the split hop as opposed to the execution of the pass. Um, and that allowed me to like, check that off the box. Cause then I could watch film and be like, I'm doing that now. Now I can focus on something else because with anything, it's not going to come right away. But for me, I found really quick success with it. So that's something I wanted to keep, um, but I just needed to make it second nature. And for me to do that, I needed a lot of reps, um, just through practice and in game mode too, so that I wasn't like, we're going back to old habits.
0: Okay. So if you were to coach an athlete, right. So I, mm-hmm. I, you, to, you told me how you, how you train in terms of reps and what you did in terms of the technique of the split step split hop. Okay. How would you train the technique? Like teaching an athlete, okay, you're doing this for the first time. Here's what okay. you do. You know, you're up, balance, hop, whatever. How do you teach them?
1: Awesome. Okay, do we want on service leave or defense? Because I kind seat. of do them differently. That's, okay. that's a good point. So for service leave, um, I'm just in my normal stance, how I had mentioned before, athletic, comfortable with my arms kind of out, but hanging low. Um, and I'm watching with my eyes. And basically, right when I see the direction of the ball. So, if let's say they're serving from one and I'm in, I'm also in one, I'm facing them. And as they make contact, I see it's coming to my deep left. So, I'm making that split hop. And as my eyes are recognizing that, my body's going to take me that way. It's like an activation move. And it's just a really quick hop that's not bigger than my shoulders, kind of within my body, like my hips and shoulders around there, but it's not getting too big that it hinders your movement, but not small enough that you're going to need a hundred steps to get there. It's kind of staying in your same position. Um, and this can allow you to freely move, um, to the direction of the ball, which yeah, I think is a lot easier than just standing, waiting and going.
0: Ah, I like that. Yeah. So, as soon as you've identified where that ball is traveling, right? That's when you engage that split hop and then that's going to propel you in a direction of where you got to go. So, mm-hmm. at what point, like, can okay, I'm getting really specific here. Normally, does that movement occur, like that hop? Does that occur before the ball crosses the plane of the net, after it crosses the plane of the net? Like how early are we taking that hop?
1: Um, so usually um, I want to like identify the ball before it hits their attack line, depending on what direction it's going in anyways. So I want to have the split hop as early as possible, but never later than like their attack line. That's usually how I go about it. We haven't really addressed that, but for me, I feel most comfortable and uh, most in control of where I'm going with my body when I make that split hop between their um, where they're serving from and their attack line.
0: Got it. No, that makes a hundred percent sense. Yeah. That's, that's a good basis. I'd say to regardless of anything, once that ball hits their attack line, you should know exactly where it's going, the type of serve and where you're going to have to move in order to create an angle, what the ball does afterwards. You know, that's another story because that you'll have to adjust, you know, based on that. So, you know, for you, you've been a pretty good passer your entire career. You know, you were one of the best in the country uh, going into uh, college. how, has your passing changed since you've implemented the split step?
1: I love this question. Um, Growing up, I think I was very, um, uh, I don't know what the word is, but I was very like tight and like, I was very, get get your feet there midline and like rigid, I want to use. But learning this has allowed me to be more composed. And as I get older and the serves are getting faster and even defensively, being calm allows you to make like moves to the ball that put yourself in a position to execute at your highest level. Um, So you're not jerking because what you give to the ball is what you're going to get. So when I'm like jerking really quickly, I'm going to spray the ball or I'm going to meet the ball at too big of a velocity and it's just going to spray and not go well. So what I've learned with the split hop, it's helped me stay composed and in control of my body so I can read How fast the ball is coming? What do I need to give it? Do I need to take any? Um, And it allows me to play free and less tight and tense, I guess. And I think that's one of the biggest things I've learned from split hop and coming into college is how do I stay composed? How can I control this ball instead of it control me? Um, And uh, it helps me also with my eye work, because the more you're moving your head, the more you're moving your body, you lose track inside of the ball, which makes it harder to play um or just pass in right. general
0: okay i think we've we've definitely established the importance of a of a split step pop. and i like i like how you broke down like how to train it that's really cool um i want to uh back up to the eye work again because that's so important how have you now that you've recognized that eye work is so important I don't know, whenever you recognize that how have you begin to train that now is do you do, is there a specific thing you do to train it or is it just the reps but or you know how do, how do you work with your eye work
1: um Usually I'm just keeping my head level. Like I think when you're growing up, it was a lot of like, you have a bookshelf on your head. I remember Titans would say that. um, And it was about staying low. I'm learning like you still need to stay low, but you need to be in a comfortable position. That's low enough for you because then a lot of athletes, I feel like come up and down and it's finding that happy medium where you can stay level, obviously not standing up, but like stay level enough that you're not losing sight and you're moving your head a lot. But um, just training that with staying like a consistent posture has helped me and the split hop I don't know it kind of keeps my posture in line too so I'm not like coming up I'm like oh panicked it's coming deep now I'm just like split hop I know my body will follow um, and it keeps my eyes on the ball at all times and I don't know that's just one thing that's helped me along the way
0: yeah I know that's a good point um that's that's one thing I picked up I want to say about like five years ago was this idea of being level-headed like when you're level headed, you can track a lot easier than when you're like popping up and down and making all these movements. Now, mind you, it's still like when, when you say the split hop, it's still intentional. So you're still level headed, but then you're being intentional about that movement to get to the ball so you can still track it, which is, which is a really cool uh, understanding of how that works. Um. So, yeah, so I work. So it's, you know, it, I guess mostly it, it's what through through constant reps, like when you train it.
1: Yeah, it's kind of finding what works for you, too. Obviously, coaches have different input on what they want, but it's finding that happy medium of, like, maybe how high you need to jump on your split hop or, like, if even a split hop works for you. But for me, it does work really well. Um, and it's kind of finding that consistency of, like, when to do it. Everything's situational, obviously, yeah. how fast the ball is coming, um, if they're normally a short server, things like that. But if you can find something that's consistent and you can go back to – it starts to become just your routine, even if you don't think about it and you can stay level, you can stay calm and your eyes will start doing most of the work.
0: Yeah, no, got it. That makes sense. No, that's great. And last thing around the split step stuff is how long did it take you to learn?
1: Um, good question. So my spring quarter, we got it introduced So I want to say it was about April Mm-hmm. Um, and then we just literally, we practiced like, a, I want to say like five days a week. I can't remember a schedule, but we'd have like, we'd go through each practice and do some sort of like split hop. Um, but coming closer to national tryouts, I would do extra reps with one of my coaches. And so I would come in and just specifically work on that and staying calm. And I would say I did that about three times a week on top of what practices we were doing. Is this so college?
0: Like, like this is your college stuff?
1: Your college team? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, so I'm not sure how, how many hours that is or how many days, but it took about from like April to, um, let's see.
0: So your spring training started in April.
1: Maybe, no, it, well, it started in February, but I'm trying to think February. of when they introduced the split hop. Maybe it was February. Sorry. Okay. And then cool. up until May was when I left for the tryout. So. Yeah, I'd say from February to May is when they, like, introduced it. And I was like, oh, okay, I like this. And is
0: that how you passed for a national team as well? Yes,
1: yeah. And were they open to that? Yeah, I asked – Shannon's the head coach, and I I talked to her a few times and just, like, asked her, is this okay to be doing? And she's like, it's not an issue, so we're totally okay with it. And if it's one way to activate you, it's totally fine.
0: Okay, great. All right, so we got – for passing, we talked about – your stance a little bit. We talked about eye work in detail, um, some platform and angle stuff, uh, space between platform and angle. You mentioned, I, I, I preach that all the time too. Like, it's so important. I, and I love that you, you kind of emphasize that, um, being calm and composed. I really like that. Yeah. Especially when passing. And I, I really like that. You said, you know, you got to do what works for you. That's really important. That's something I, I wish I learned that earlier in my career. It's, you know, a little halfway through to later part of my career, I realized that every athlete's different you know, we gotta really dial into what the athlete feels comfortable doing and what is their strength, weaknesses, et cetera. So that's really good. Um, uh before we move off of passing, anything anything else you can add to uh let's see, footwork, anything footwork related, anything platform related, anything angle related. Cause everything else you covered.
1: Yeah, I would definitely say for footwork, um, never cross. I feel like a lot of coaches are like never cross. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah never cross but also go towards the line of the ball this is again an eye work thing but your feet will follow um and i always have issues because i want to go laterally and cut it off late but if you can cut it off as early as you can um it's the best thing because then you're not falling falling on your side or getting in routes of hitters and like that was one of the biggest things it might not be like oh i might get a good pass but now i'm in the way of everyone so i would definitely say like finding the line of the ball and cutting that off early is your eye work, but it comes down to your feet if you're going to get there quick enough.
0: Okay, got it. No, I love it. Okay, let's move on to some digging stuff. Uh, so I'm basically going to talk about the ex- kind of the same thing just in terms of digging. Uh, let's talk technique. So how are you training the dig? Uh, you know, what are you looking for? Things like that.
1: Um, so it's a lot like server seed too. I think that it's still being calm composed good posture but now it's just you need to be very quick on your eyes Um, and this is the part where it's like you need to get stopped sometimes you're not going to be but as quick as you can be to get stopped but you're still composed good posture you're going to have the best bet to pick it up as quick as you can or just be in the right position Um, And as I'm getting older, too, it's just about being in the right position, in my opinion. Um, And it's how quick you can get there. Uh, And you can make adjustments from the blockers or whatever in those moments instead of being late and then having to circle back and or just the ball dropping. But yeah, being quick with your eyes and getting to the right spot is probably my biggest two things I'm learning as I'm going through. So this might be a
0: tough question. If you can't answer it, let me know. But (laughs) How do you get your athletes in the right position? How do you train them to be in the right position?
1: I think having uh, like a set, I want to say routine again, but for me, I like know my drop step now, like I know what I need to do to get to that spot. And then that will help me with court awareness on where I am. So like having something that's consistent that they can go back to, whether that's like drop left foot and then right and then left so that you're even flat, but you're still facing the hitter um, is probably the biggest thing. And then you can work from there. It also depends on your systems. Like I feel like the two systems that I work with either during the year and then the summer are very different. So that's also how my splits or like my drop step changes throughout the year. But I would find something that works for each player that they can go back to everyone's tall or small or whatever that is like perfect for them to get to the spot that they're supposed to be in
0: okay so in terms of getting to the right position let's let's talk about what are you looking for as a digger You're backcourt right you're getting ready to play defense what are you looking for in order to get to the right position
1: from the hitter that's hitting from
0: anything so you're playing defense uh, let's okay. Let's pretend a cat. You're in. You're in five. I'm playing out of five. The other side. Usually, you guys just serve the ball to the other side. Okay. And walk me through what you're looking at to get into the right position.
1: Well, the first thing is, so I'm in my ready position, like ready, um, watching the setter's hands to see if she's going to dump. The next thing is where, which direction is the ball going to? Because I always want to be facing the hitter. So if it's still going into the either the middle or to the outside. I'm going to turn and face one of them. And the quick is a lot different because it's more of just stand and wait, (laughs) but um, that's just kind of wear it, put it up. But on the outside, that's kind of like, I'm still, I need to turn, turn, turn. And I'm looking at their feet. Where's their approach coming? And then I'm kind of working up their body. Like, where's your arm? Where's your hand? How fast is your elbow coming? Is it going to be off speed? Are you coming quick? And if I see that's off speed, I can loosen up. I'm like, okay. I'm ready to dig something high off hands. But I also want to be off like outside of the block. I don't want to be behind it at all. So that's my biggest concern is watching the hands of the hitters um, to make sure I'm off of their body instead of behind it because then I'm useless. Hold
0: on. What do you mean by off like off your blocker's body or off your hitter's
1: body? What do you mean by that? The blockers.
0: Ah, the blockers. Okay. So off the blocker's body, looking at it. I really like the way you explain that you start off with the feet and work your way up. That's a really cool way of describing it. Cause yeah, feet's going to tell you angle of approach. Then you work on, you know, come all the way up to their body. Then it's, then you look at their shoulders, wrists, hand, whatever, uh, eyes, and then the blocker. That's really cool. I like that. We're going all the way up. So do you, so you look at the hitter first, then you look at the block. Is that, is that what I heard? Right?
1: Yes. I go hitter, but I'm always working off my block. So well, technically the blockers are doing the work, and then I'm kind of working through that. But I still need to pick up information off the hitter, um, so I can be kind of prepared at all times. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I know absolutely it does. So then, is there anything you could share uh, in terms of specifics you look for in the hitter to tell you where the ball is going? Are there any giveaways that are very consistent? You know where well when a hitter does this, oh, she's going to tip. Or when she does this, ah, oh, she's going to power tip deep. Or when she does this, she's going to roll. Like, what do you look for for hitters to give that away?
1: Good question. I feel like, people, like a lot of hitters have their tendencies. And like going into a lot of games, especially if you play them back to back or you know that type of hitter, you start to know what their favorite or like what their comfortable shot is. Um, so I guess it's situational in that part. But definitely like the line of approach people are very consistent on. Um, In the way that their shoulders end, in my opinion, I feel like I can tell where their intention of putting the ball is. Um, So those are my two biggest things is like, can I line up with them? And if I can do that, obviously people play around. If they're beachy, they can do some cut shots, even though they're facing one way. But at least then I'm prepared for their hardest shot um, and can dig that first as my priority and then work from there. But I like that. so what do you mean by shoulders end?
0: Like where their shoulders uh, end? Like
1: they're finishing. So like ah, I can okay. see them coming up. I'm like, okay, well you could turn, but I know I have like, let's say someone in one, that's their, that's their responsibility. But like, I know I have you cause you're facing this way. Right. Beautiful. I love that. So yeah. So line of approach first.
0: Absolutely. I like that. And then where their shoulders end and then after that, then you're looking at risk manipulation and what they want to do with that. And that's a read. That's like, oh, okay, I see their risk going that way. They they contact, it. and then you're just gone. And then we talk speed and things like that.
1: Yes. Is that right? Yes, correct. Okay. Ah, perfect.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. Okay, I love it. Um, <clears throat> You know what? We covered a lot, actually. We covered the the two major points of digging. One, being able to read which I think you did a great job covering that in detail. Uh, You talked about getting to the right position, you know, posture, um, anything. uh, Let's, let's go, let's go hands. Any specific things when digging in terms of technique on on the dig itself, like forget the read now, Uh, like digging the actual ball. Is there anything technical that will help, you know, whether it's a one hand dig, two hands dig, hands platform, whatever.
1: I mean, it's always great if you can get two hands. Like, I feel like every coach is like two hands, two hands. And I I totally agree with that. Um, Again, going back to what we talked about with serve receive the split hop is something I rely a lot on for defense and keeping distance because I feel like I have more control. Um, So I still, I keep my hands out, maybe a little bit more bent than I would straight on serve receive but, um, the split hop is really important to me knowing where the ball is going to go. Um, cause that's kind of like my first line of defense. Cause I'm like, okay, I have my split hop. I'm going to know where the ball goes and my platform is going to get there. I trust that my platform is going to be there. Um, but after that, all my body movement, my main objective is just to put it high, whatever I need to give. Um, and, in, in during like national team, it's like high and off. So anywhere in the middle of the court, same thing with my college team kind of high and off is perfect. So that's like my main objective after I've kind of had those few cues go on in my head.
0: Yep. No, I love it. And I couldn't agree more. Yeah, that's exactly what you do. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, okay. I think we're, I think we're good with digging. I think we got it. We gave our coaches a lot here in terms of how to, you know, read and, and, and the technical stuff is solid. Um, let's talk, other responsibilities of the libero and i kind of want to leave this up to you i I don't want to guide this question what are the other responsibilities of the libero um and let's let's just go with that
1: yeah i think it's definitely being like a back row leader um i want to be composed and someone that they can turn to especially hitters if they're having issues like i want to help you that's why i'm here Um, It's just the question of how can I, do you need me to take more space in a specific area? Um, Or do you want me to be louder? Do you need more like vocal input? I can do that. Um, So definitely trying to take advantage of like being a leader back row. And that's so different for everyone else. And like understanding who you're playing with is a big role in that. Um, But that's definitely how I see like another role of like libero is I mean, I can help in the front row, but not that much. Well, mostly vocal, like, how can I help you? What do I see? But um, back row is definitely something where you can step up and say, how can I help you as a hitter to do your job in the front row?
0: Right. Okay, what else? What other What other responsibilities are there for the libero? Out
1: um, a system setting. I feel like okay, I should have said yeah. that first.
0: <laughs> yeah, at, at a system setting. So let's talk about that.
1: Um. Yeah, I think definitely being vocal. Like, I think that's the biggest thing. Cause I know a lot of hitters are just used to putting it up too, but I'm one of those Leveras It's like, I want you to hit, I want you to do everything you can to hit. And I want to help that too. Um, obviously if it's out of reach completely and you're like chasing something so far down and an outside hitter can take it, then so be it. But, um, yeah, that's like another thing is, can you take every second ball if the setter takes it, um, to get your hitters still relatively, maybe not in system but on some type of route.
0: And then where, do, where are you pushing this ball? Like, where is the ideal set location for this out-of-system ball coming from the libero?
1: Um, well, it depends, too. Like, if we're trying to run tempo or, like, do you want to just, like, high and out-of-system?
0: Both. Give me both.
1: Um, so right side, it's usually, for a national team, it's kind of, like, inside and, like, on. And same thing for outside, like, inside and on.
0: on like, on what?
1: On the net. Yeah. So you're, kind so you're
0: pushing the ball. You're not pushing it off the net. You're pushing it relatively close to the top of the tape.
1: Yeah. But not too tight. That's like, I think it's yeah. about oof, like two feet. I could be wrong about that, but usually I'm like two feet. You want a little bit of room. So they're not like on top of the tape. It's like just before it. Um, yeah,
0: this is actually the difference between the men's and the women's game. The men's game. It's, it's closer to the, to the top of the tape. Like but The right net, women's game is off. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Just a little bit, though, because you don't get roof. But
0: yeah.
1: Um, and then for in system, you kind of want it going through a certain plane like you want it coming through where their peak would be. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to describe this, but like for right side, let's say for a red tempo, we want it definitely going through. I'd say middle of the antenna. And so they can cut it off early and for a go, it's kind of the same where you want it. You're closer, so the peak's a little bit more awkward, but you still want it going through like middle of antenna, um, but you don't want it peaking too high that it's like almost just a hut.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what, you want to, I mean, go over the, so what's a go ball? What's the hut uh, that you just use there, red temple as and stuff, just for our listeners in case they don't know.
1: So go and red are kind of like, your tempo balls where you're on like your second step already. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas a hut is like first step where it's just high ball kind of out of system. Um, and you have a lot more time yep. and yeah, that's the difference between the two.
0: Yep, exactly. Well said. All right. No, this is good. This is good. So uh, I was waiting for the out of system one, cause that's definitely responsibility for libero, uh, secondary hands, uh, back row leader is definitely something that I think is important. Um, is there, I I'll just guide you with this one then. Cause uh, let's talk about coveraging, like, you know, when, as a back row, what are you, what are you looking at from a libero in terms of covering your hitters, things like that?
1: Yeah. So this is also situational depending on where I am. Like, is it serve receive? Is it defense? Am I in one? Um, but like, basically if I was on just normal defense, I'm in my, I'm in five and I'm covering like an outside ball. I don't want to be too tight that, I'm in the way of the hitter. I've done that a few times. I don't want them (laughs) landing on me. Um, But I also am just more prepared of like high and off. But I know that if it's a taller blocker, there's potential to be like like slammed. Mm -hmm. So I might get underneath a little bit more. But my eyes always want to be on the blockers at all times. I'm not worried about the hitter. They're going to do their job. I'm focused solely on the block and where the ball's going. Um, But let's say if I was in serve receive... And I'm in one, I would ask like my outside, even though they're on a route, maybe once they land and they're not set and it's going to an outside set to try to take that shorter ball or the setter run in and take that shorter ball, because I just, I won't be able to get there. So I'll stay deep and cover that. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just vice versa on the right side. So coming in short, if I'm already there, but if I'm too far away, I'm staying deep. My other hitter slash setter will be close
0: so on a server seat, let's say let's say you're because you're, you're never passing out of five so you're passing out of six or one so if you're passing out of one who are you covering are, are you staying because so once you make your pass you're, you're stepping back and coming around and taking the deep balls
1: Is um if it's right side i'll come in i'll stay close and take that if it's to the outside i'll stay deep and cover that just because it's too hard for me to get around and then I'll get in routes and mess yeah, that up. I got it. it or so, so if you're it.
0: passing out of one and it's an in-system ball, you're staying and you're playing, you're, you're basically staying in one and covering out of one short. Is that correct or no?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Staying and okay. covering and short.
0: If it, if it's, if you're in one and the ball is passed off the net, maybe to the left side of the court, are you still staying in one? Or are you coming around like in, into sixth and covering the backcourt there? Like what are you doing there?
1: So you're saying if it's um, off to the left and they're setting the outside
0: we don't know where they're setting let's just say you didn't get that first pass or let's just say you did who cares you got it or you didn't yeah. get it the ball is passed up and it's going into area four in between four and three okay where are you going
1: my main objective is to get out of the way for my back row hitters so i'm kind of i feel like i'm always swerving like i always had to yeah. be prepared i asked them like what are you running so that will determine if i'm and ent- like leaving on the right or i'm just backing up Um, because my main objective is for them to get on their routes and then I'll choose whether I pick a side depending on what the setter does. Um, but that's like my first thought process is like, how do I get out of the way, especially on an outer system? Cause we'll still potentially run BIC, uh, or a D in the back row. So then I'm like, okay, what side is it on? Can I cover short? Can I cover deep?
0: Yeah. Okay. Got it. No, that makes sense. And it's good. You said that because it, it, it's so it, it all depends. There's, there's really no right or wrong answer to that question because it all depends on what you're running and 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 how, what what again what your team feels comfortable with. Like you know, for example, with us, um, if my lib is passing out of one, um, my lib is getting out of the getting out of the way, yeah. Because we're we're having a sea ball route, we're having a pipe route. They're passing and just falling back. And going to five and coming around and everyone else has their responsibilities accordingly if they're in six it's easy they pass out of six they go straight to five and they cover there so yeah. we don't our, our libs are never really covering out of one it's, it's just it doesn't make sense for us to unless it's like a really situational thing then that's fine but yeah but it's cool to see like yeah that it's cool to see what, what you're thinking as a lib i like that okay the last topic so we we covered digging we covered other responsibilities of the lib we covered passing which is great um, the other thing that I always like to ask our guests is uh, programming. So, it, like for you, you guys are now back in season. Um, now you're in like your training camp phase, right? You, you, your team is established. Your team is made. What What is it? What is your schedule looking like? Like, wh- what's your programming consisting of right now?
1: Um, so currently, we're doing double days, and we'll lift um, usually like two out of three days kind of, depending on, we have these things called blocks. So that's just how our team functions. And so we usually only have like two double days and then one single like practice day um, in that block, if that makes sense. Okay, walk me through
0: a a week then, like Monday, Monday, Sunday.
1: So right now we're doing double days. So usually we'll do like two double days on and then one single like practice plus usually two lifts within there and then have like a day off um, or we'll do team building too on our day off um, just to grow closer with our freshmen and kind of build that chemistry off the court um, and oh, then we'll basically continue that and then do another like two double days in a row and then like one single um, with along with like two lifts as well.
0: Oh, okay so you're going like so five days a week, in theory, you got three practices, two of those three practices are two a days, and then you have two lifts. Correct. Yeah, correct. And that's, that's, that's right now up until the season starts or preseason or whatever you guys are doing. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty kind of straightforward from what I've gathered is I, the two a days are big. And then in terms of your two a days, you're doing like, is it skills in the morning and gameplay in the afternoon? Like, how, how does that look like?
1: Yeah, like right now, our morning practice is kind of breaking down the fundamentals and like understanding Mm. our system and like how we do things. So it's low load. Yeah, low load.
0: load. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then in the afternoon, we'll come together. And I I feel like right now it's really early. We just started, but we'll usually do more of like a gameplay, like bring everything together um, and like structure it that way.
0: Nice. Yeah, no, that's great. It's really cool. I love when, when our coaches get a chance to hear like, oh yeah, two days are a, a normal thing. I had a coach on here one time that did three days uh, for certain things. They'll go like light, heavy, light court work in the morning, break, lunch, whatever, another session, like a more fundamental driven session, break. And then evening is all like, you know, wash six on six and things like that. Yeah, they did. And they did it to really, to really uh, the, the rationale behind that was we want to challenge you physically and mentally so that when the season comes, it's it's easy. It's yeah. a lot easier. Like you go through all this rigorous now. Cause I mean, you, you think about it, uh, in Canada, like when we have provincials, nationals, you're playing, you know, two, you could potentially pay two matches in a day or one in one day, one in the next day, one, the next day, right after. And yeah. you're doing three days in a row with three matches in a row. There's your three a day right there. Like, that's kind of like the mindset behind it. So, uh, that's it was, good, it's yeah. really interesting. Okay. Two more questions for you, and I think we're going to wrap this up. So, what advice do you have? Now, you've, you've, you've gone from being a little club player to national team libero. What advice can you give our upcoming coaches to help train their liberos, or if we have liberos listening to this, to how do you get to that level? What do you got for them? How, how do you get to that, the best that you could possibly be to that national level?
1: Um. In my opinion, it's like having the right mindset and flipping the way that we're talking or like the way that we're relaying information. I've had a lot of great coaches growing up that it's so easy for athletes to get negative and be like, oh, I can't do this. Or like, it's not working. And like, it's not working yet. Or like having that, I've had one of my college coaches, like she'll always change it and just be like, it's not yet. And I'm like, I love that. Um, Because it puts it into perspective that it's something new and growth takes time and it's a marathon, not a sprint at all, especially with something that you want to do for a long term thing. It's not going to come right away. So I think looking back, the biggest thing is mindset, but obviously skill and um, how like your pursuit and how hard you're working is really big. But the way that you talk to your athletes um, and the way that they talk to themselves is very big, too. Cause you need to believe that you can do that and like, you can set those goals and you can achieve them. But the only thing stopping you is yourself and your thoughts and like how far you think you can go.
0: Right. No, I love that. That's fantastic advice. Uh, so let me just do a, a little quick recap and see if we, uh, we missed anything. So we talked about passing. Uh, you, you broke it down really well. We talked about stance, the importance of eye work, uh what we'll talks about platform and angles and then you emphasize the space between your platform and angle, really, really important. Um, one thing you talked that I liked is you take take the ball. Well, find the line of the ball and take it early. That will help you significantly with your pass. I love that. Um calm and composed. Uh, we talked a lot about the split hop as you call it, understanding when to do it, right when you figured out where that ball, the direction of that ball early. Split hop gives you that momentum to you know to push in that direction. And you also got to find out what works for you i really like that you talked about every athlete's different you got to find out what works for you and that was really cool um and digging relatively similar in terms of you know composed good posture uh you talked about the importance of being in the right position um and i really like that so the first thing you look at is the setter's hands right protect those dumps once a setter releases you, you know where the ball is going now we're focused on the hitter and uh you're looking at you're looking from the down down up so looking at the feet first all the way up, so what the hitter's going to be doing with their shoulders and hands, um, which is really cool. And one that you mentioned, too, I, I didn't touch on it, is hitters have tendencies. Absolutely. Hitters have tendencies. Now, if you're a high-level player and have access to film, then there's no reason why you shouldn't be, pre- be prepared before a match. And I always tell even my club players, you play these teams over and over again. You see them once during, at least once in the regular pool play tournament style. And then when you get them to provincials, You're going to see them again. No one's going to change their serve drastically from when you see them in the, in, in regular tournaments to provincial, it's not going to happen. They may get better at their skill, but their tendency is going to be the same. So uh, having uh, that foundation to, you know, really study film and, and learn how to be there for the best servers in the league will pay dividend. And you did a really good job of saying, yeah, you got to know their tendencies, um, I like your line of approach. So when you're reading on defense line of approach and then where the shoulders end, that was really cool. I like that. Um, and then in terms of other responsibilities for the libero, you talked about they're the back row leaders of the team, which yeah, absolutely. Getting to have getting and making sure that your, your teammates back there know you have their back and how can you help and support them so that they can do their job. I really like that. And then obviously out of system stuff is important. Covering is important. And then your final pieces of advice, having that strong mindset. Yeah. super important and being able to communicate effectively with your teammates, man. that's so important. Anything, any final thoughts you want to add to our listeners?
1: Um, I think just like big on communication, no matter what role you're in always talking. So you're on the same page and I think pursuit is one of the biggest things. Um, Because you never know if you can actually get the ball until you actually try. So right. I think those are another two like little things that add up as the sport goes on.
0: Yeah, and I can say from watching you play over the last how many years, you definitely pursue or at least attempt to pursue a ton of balls, and it's amazing. And it does more than just just the effort. Like when your teammates and you can see it when your teammates see that you're you're putting that effort in and you're you're going after it, it's just a good reassurance of this is what we're here to do. Like, and it, it boosts your teammates too. Like that's such an important thing as a libero. Cause you could drive the energy as a libero. Yes. We all get pumped when someone gets a great kill or someone shit slams on a block and like, we get that, but you can, as a libero can absolutely bring that team energy up by your hustle. And I love the pursuit. Yeah, absolutely. All right. my last question for you before I let you go and ask every single uh, person on this is dead or alive. If you could have dinner with anybody. Who would it be and why?
1: Oh, this is a great question. (laughs) You got to give me a second.
0: Mm -mm. Dead or alive. Anybody you want to have dinner with and why?
1: Oh, potentially. I think actually, yeah. Jordan Larson. I just, I think that she's such a composed volleyball player. Okay. Um. And I think she's just all around amazing. Like, I think even her service, like I could pick her, she's not even a libero. And I could like pick her brain about passing and how calm she's been. Um, And yeah, I just think she, I don't know. I don't know much about her. Obviously I don't know her, but I would love to get to know more about who she, like how she plays, how she does her routines, how she got into volleyball. I don't know. Okay. love to have dinner. No, that's
0: great. Uh, She never, she was never, um, she was, she, she went to Olympic, she did a three-time Olympic, uh, she just got gold and then retired. She got gold and retired. Okay. Yeah, that's right. She's not that old. Well, I mean, I guess in volleyball and volleyball years, she might be, she's in her mid thirties, right? So, yeah. oh, nice. Well, yeah, that's a great person. Absolutely. Yeah. Even just watching her play, I, I, you could pick up a lot. So that's, yeah. uh, that's unreal. All right. Well. Kat, thank you so much. I really appreciate you uh, being here. I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, our listeners, you're going to have to, you know, I say this all the time, you're going to have to re-listen to this episode and take some notes because there's a ton of things that we talked about that you can absolutely help your players get better uh, today. So thanks a lot, Kat. Thanks again for being here. I really appreciate it. And our listeners, we'll see you next week on another episode of the Volleyball by Design Podcast. Take care. All right. Cue the music. Look.